even though the kids don't really understand yet what that's about. Um, the fact that they're introducing to that and uh, uh, given the respect that the veterans deserve. And I think it, it's great that they did that. So, and to the veterans that are here today, I know a couple of you were at that assembly. I, I know at least, but um, thank you very much for your service. Uh, so why do we have Veterans Day? We have it to honor the members of our armed forces. And why do we honor them? Because we have what we have today because of what they did. I'm able to stand up here and talk to you and say what I feel like saying, and you're able to say back what you feel like saying. And um, we have the ability to be here together. Uh, that's a thing that not everybody has. You can go some places in the world today, and they would start collecting us and sending us to forced labor because we decided to be here today. Because of what the members of our armed forces has done, we have this ability. Um, in Canada, uh, and a pastor named Arthur Pawlowski was arrested for having services during COVID, which many of you probably know, we also had services during COVID. In Canada, we, Pastor Powers could have been in, in jail for doing that. Um, in the United Kingdom, there have been arrests made for offensive speech. Somebody reports you because they don't like what you've said online. And sometimes they say that's illegal. And not only that, they've added now there are non-crime hate incidents to where if you make a complaint because you're offended by something somebody said, they might end up finding that you have not committed a crime, but due to this classification of non-crime hate incidents, they can still penalize you in ways that they would penalize you for committing a crime, even though they say it's not a crime. And that's in countries where you would think like, well, the United States has freedom, but most of the Western world has freedom. No, they do not. Here in the United States, we have a special brand of freedom that you will not find any other place. For us, we hear stories like in, in Canada where, where churches were having service uh, during COVID and they were, um, they were forced to shut down and fined for having assembled. And we hear things like that. It's like, that is shocking. They're, they're legally preventing us from assembling and, and saying what we need to say. But in other places, they're just looking at that like, yeah, it's, that's another day. Um, so again, thank you to our armed services that, that what you guys have put in the time and the effort and the sacrifice necessary for us to have those freedoms. To be able to have this, it's come at a price. And as many of you have, know, uh, you've had family members that have been gone for long since of time. Loved ones gone for six, seven, eight months, couple years if they take multiple deployments. There are some of you that probably have family members that are gone right now. And you miss them every day. And that is just the price paid by those of you who still have your loved ones, because many don't come back. They've paid the ultimate price. It's fathers and mothers and sons and daughters that are never going to be able to come home and fill the role that they were made to have at home. It's going to be children without parents. And that's the price that they've paid for something that they hold dear and something that we should all hold dear. And you can't take it lightly. Um, I, I looked up some figures for the loss of life uh, in major conflicts and wars since uh, the last hundred years. 
and uh, there's some more minor ones I have included in here. Um, but in World War II, we lost 405,399 souls. In Korea, we lost 36,516. Vietnam, 58,220. In the Gulf War, 294. In Afghanistan, we lost 20,093 people. In Iraq, we lost 32,222. In the last 100 years, we have lost 552,744 soldiers. The ones that are never coming home. This was a sacrifice that was made for what they hold dear. And it was a sacrifice made for those of us that they don't even know. They gave it all. What is sacrifice? Sacrifice is, if you look at Merriam-Webster, to suffer loss, to give up, renounce, injure, or destroy, especially for an ideal belief or end. And uh, if you look at the, how the word comes to be, um, it comes from Latin, um, first part meaning uh, something that's supernatural, and the second part meaning to make something. So it's to make something supernatural. You take something and you give it a purpose beyond what it originally was. Um, and sacrifice comes in many forms, and obviously, if, as I'm talking about what we watched here and, and what we've been through in this country, it's easy to see that giving your life for your country is a sacrifice. But when I'm discussing sacrifice here to church, if I'm speaking religiously about sacrifice, that's probably not the form that comes to your mind immediately. Um, been a little heavy to this point <laughs> get just a little bit lighter here but uh i remember when i was in school uh they we had history class and they would spend a section talking about central and south american tribes and uh one that i always remember is the aztecs and if you know anything about history i say aztecs i'm sure you're probably thinking the same thing i am about them but if you're not familiar um they were a central american tribe that uh was really, really good at human sacrifice. I mean, they did a lot of it. It was kind of what they're known for. And uh, they would they would conquer people, and then they would take a lot of the people that they conquered. I, I imagine some of them were turned into slaves, but many of them were turned into a human sacrifice to um, Hootsapochli. I guess that was their war god. And uh, so, I mean... Think of the Aztecs, when you hear sacrifice, I mean, I, I definitely get that mental image. And if you've ever seen Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, <laughs> uh, you'll understand why when I hear sacrifice, that's obvious. That's where my mind goes. Because little six-year-old me was watching this movie. Dude, you can do that? It's freaking me out. But anyway, if, if you've seen the movie, you know Okay, anyway, it's, it's mind-blowing, especially for six. Uh, but uh, anyway, we're not here to grow in our understanding of Central American mythology. We're not here to understand the catalog of Harrison Ford. So what I'm here to talk to you about today is sacrifice in the Bible. Um, the first direct mention of sacrifice in the Bible comes from Genesis 4. And we'll look at verses 1 through 5. Genesis, Genesis 4, 1 through 5. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And she was kind of surprised by that because it hadn't really happened before. That was like the first time it ever happened like that. So she gave birth. She's like, whoa, would you look at that? Um, but anyway, later she gave birth to his brother Abel. She did it twice. 
Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought forth of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Uh, Cain and Abel were the first that were noted to have made a sacrifice in the Bible. Um, it's been kind of suggested, like, in verses before that, uh, Adam and Eve had sinned, and then it says that God had made clothing of animal skin for them. So they're kind of suggesting that maybe, like, God made the first sacrifice for them, the sacrifice of the animals to cover for their sin, but you really got to read a whole lot into the phrase, God made clothing out of animals. <laughs> so they're really getting into a like a real brainy territory by saying God made that first sacrifice. But clearly, uh, Cain and Abel were doing it. And why did God want sacrifices? Well, for one thing, sacrifices are a way that God has made people holy again after we have failed to live up to uh, God's plan for us. Um, that was the sin offering, and I think most of us are probably familiar with that idea. At one point in time, you had to be a good person, and any time that you failed to live up to what God has told us, which, and if you look at, you know, um, the early Bible in, uh, um, like Leviticus, Deuteronomy, like those they had a very high standard to have to live up to. Uh, most of us would be failing to live up to that standard right now as we're in this building. Um, what was like blended fibers, if you get a blended fiber and your hair had to be a certain length and you know you had to have wear tassels and they had to be at a certain height, like it was crazy what they had to go through. But if they messed up at all, they had to make a sacrifice in order to be made holy again because sin can't be in the presence of God. And even though we are God's greatest creation in his mind, he has a creation that just has a habit of sinning. We all do it, and we're never going to stop doing it until God perfects us. And until that day comes, there has to be a sacrifice in order to justify us. So for one thing, we had back in the day making sacrifices so that we could even continue to be recognized by God. Um, and in fact, if you've ever heard the, heard the term scapegoat, um, you might not know this, but scapegoat actually comes, it's in the Bible. I don't know that the Bible is the first one to come up with this term to deliver it to you, but um, it's a very old concept. And scapegoat, you know, as you know, is like uh, when you put the blame on somebody else so that you don't have to suffer your own uh, consequences for what you've done. And that's exactly what they did. They would they would uh, symbolically put your sin onto this animal and then send it out into the wilderness so that your sin is carried away. And that was the scapegoat. And um, so that's where that term comes from. But this is the kind of sacrifice that God made for us through his son Jesus. They used to sacrifice these animals so that we could be justified before God. And we don't do that anymore. Why don't we do that anymore? It's because we have received the sacrifice that is great enough for all of our sins. Jesus was of God, and he came in human form to be sacrificed on the cross because he was good enough 
he was valuable enough and he was perfect and it was such a loss on that cross he was good enough to take on all the evil that comes from the rest of us jesus took those sins off of you put them on himself and sent those sins to hell so you don't have to do it and that's why we don't sacrifice animals anymore you don't have to But you might be wondering, okay, so I can see like animal sacrifice that justifies for our sins. Well, it says that um, Cain was offering his crops. So, I mean, were they like sacrificing ears of corn to carry off your sins? No, I mean, I guess in a way it does sort of justify you, but it's not necessarily that God is taking these sacrifices just to uh, uh, make you holy again. There's more to it than just that when it comes to sacrifices. So, um, these sacrifices were also considered to be pleasing to God. You'll see that a lot whenever you're looking through the Old Testament, you're seeing they're talking about their sacrifices, and they say it was pleasing to God. And God is pleased when you're justified, but they didn't just have their sin offerings. They had offerings that were uh, um, like food actually prepared food and it says later that you know the the jews didn't believe you should be able to eat the sacrificial meats so they would say that you know don't don't eat anything that's been dedicated to god but then there would have people from foreign lands that would come and would eat the stuff and then they said don't judge those people they don't know any better let them eat the meat you know so they had food that they would serve up to god they also burned incense they would just make stuff that smelled good as an offering to God, and they did it to please Him. It wasn't for their justification, it was for God's pleasure. They were giving these things up. And uh, in this kind of thought process, it always kind of made me laugh when I was thinking about the Aztecs and how they would conquer these people and then they would like sacrifice them. And at that point, I never really thought of sacrifice in terms of um, you know, like giving God something that he needs because I just never imagined God needing anything, and he doesn't. But uh, it always made me laugh because it was supposed to be a sacrifice. And here the Aztecs were capturing these people that they were just slaughtering, <laughs> and they would sacrifice them and be like, okay, God, here's this guy I never liked. I'm really not going to miss him. They <laughs> throw it down the 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 pyramid steps but what kind of sacrifice is that like i will totally go without this thing i never even wanted to see i, I do that for you god there you go you're welcome uh, so uh, um it's, it's also easy to see god said to abel i appreciate your sacrifice i like what you're doing you have my blessing and then cain came up with a sacrifice too but god did not appreciate that sacrifice. God said that sacrifice is not good enough. Um, God doesn't need your trash. God does not need anything to, to help him get by. He, he wants your best. He wants your first fruits. If you look in Exodus 22, verse 29, it says... You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons shall give to me. You shall give to me. So he's saying, I want your first and your best. And uh, 
That's probably, it doesn't directly say why God didn't like Cain's offering. That's probably what happened. Abel was picking his nicest meat, and he was slaughtering it for God and giving it up for God. Meanwhile, Cain is just like, well, I got some grain over here. Eh, it's going to be easy for me to grab this and just, here you go, God. He was doing it the Aztec way. Like, I never even really cared that much about this, so I'll be happy to give it to you. That doesn't mean anything to God. In that same way, you think about it like, how does it feel when, uh, you know, it's Christmas Day and you're, you're there with your family, maybe even extended family, and, uh, you know, we're huddled around the tree and everybody's giving gifts and um, everybody's put a lot of thought into this and really are excited to see people open the presents because of how meaningful it is. And then, you know, you open your present and... It's a bread maker, but it's not a bread maker that you haven't seen before because you gave it to them and then they turn around and give it right back to you the next year. It's like it meant so much. They just thought yeah, it was a bread maker that said Phil Powers on the box. And uh, no, but I mean, there's a reason that we laugh about these sorts of things. It's because we, you know, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't feel good to get re-gifted because in a way it does feel good because you get a good laugh out of it. <laughs> like, this is so awkward for you. <laughs> oh, I love it. But um, there's a reason you don't want to be caught doing that. It's because it really shows you. You didn't put a whole lot of thought into the gift. You just had what was available and you're like, well, I got to get this over with. So you take the gift. Unless... You received a gift and you were just like, you know what? This really would be the perfect gift for this other person. And like, I guess then it's kind of thought. I'm, not, I'm getting into the weeds on that. But anyway, um, it also says the firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. Firstborn of your sons, huh? Well, that's kind of the Aztec thing because they're sacrificing humans. But uh, obviously they're not sacrificing humans they really gave a hoot about. It's the firstborn of your sons. Do you suppose God means that? We'll look in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 10. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose, and went to the place that God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there, and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took of the wood and the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Well, that's pretty intense. 
It, it doesn't even just say his son. It, like God even points out how he feels about him. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love. There's no question about it. This meant a lot to Abraham. And just imagine how Abraham feels as he's getting there and he sees off in the distance the place that God has told him to go to sacrifice his son. Like, that would be such a miserable march. You know, it's, it's bad to start with after you get the news and then you can see the place and you're like, oh, man, I don't have long. And then you get there and Abraham thought he was going to have to kill his son. And I know a lot of us, especially in the community that are not believers, hear a story like this, and they will immediately wonder, how could a good God ask for something like this? How could a good God ask for you to not only kill somebody, but to kill somebody that you love more than anything? Well, I've got a couple of answers for that. One, uh, if you've heard my sermon about Job, you might remember the whole last part of that book is God saying to Job, Oh, you think you know right and wrong. You think you know better than me what's good and bad. Where were you when I formed the earth? Where were you when I made the animals? Where were you when I made the hair on your head? Where were you when I did all of this? That's right. You weren't there. You don't know anything about it. God knows way more than you. And if you start thinking you know more than God about what's right and what's wrong, your pride is going to trip you up. You think way more of yourself than you should. You're not that great. So if you ever start looking at God thinking, oh man, I, he can't be a good God. You don't know the first thing about being a good God. That's why when people say, I believe we're our own gods. Like, you are such a terrible God. Look at the world you live in. You're saying you're responsible for that? Well, thanks a lot. But that's the first point. The second point is... I know it's been said, you know, a great leader will never ask you to do something that they wouldn't do themselves. I largely agree with that. So you think about it. He's asked Abraham to sacrifice his son whom he loves. Seems kind of familiar. Who else did that? Oh, that's right. God did. God took of himself to make his son the perfect person on earth who who suffered in his time here and showed nothing but love to everyone and he took that perfect individual and let them be executed as a sacrifice how upset could you possibly be if god asked you to sacrifice your child he did it he didn't even just say i want you to do this and then stop you at the last minute saying nope it's good enough that you were willing to do it i'll take that he went through with it. So, I mean, you can be shocked and say, why would a good God allow this? But good God did this for you. Um, I opened by speaking about the armed forces, and this is the kind of sacrifice that they make. Um, they have given of themselves for others. And the more painfully enormous that sacrifice is, the more obvious it is how much they care about what they've sacrificed for. It doesn't really take a whole lot to sacrifice a little. You given the bread maker you never even really cared that much about, not much of a sacrifice. How much do you really care about the person you're giving it to? But when you leave your family and you go overseas and you fight a war that maybe you don't even really agree with and you're doing things that you've been told to do by somebody else that maybe you don't agree with 
and you give your life in this situation because you care about having the freedom at home, you care about protecting your family, and you care about protecting your loved ones that might not even be in the family. They care so much, they gave everything. It's pretty obvious how important something is to you when you give a sacrifice like that. It's been said many times from the pulpit, what you prioritize is who God is to you. Um, if you spend all of your time, uh, you know, um, let's say riding four wheelers, you know, I know a lot of people really enjoy riding four wheelers. You, you do that with all of your time. And then somebody asks you to go do something else. They need you to help with something. You say, no, 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 no. I got time. I'm on the four wheeler. You are worshiping a four wheeler. That's what you are doing. You're dedicating your time, your effort, your money, you're sacrificing other people for your four wheeler. And you can supplant whatever you want in there. It doesn't have to be a four wheeler. You guys know how you spend your time. Anybody listening? What matters to you? Look where you're spending your time. Look where you're spending your money. It'll show you who God is to you. If you can't see the sacrifices you've made for God, is God really that important to you? Just think about it. What have you given for God? Have you given your time? You've been spending a lot of time. I mean, I'm sure God appreciates the fact that you're here this morning. But how much is that really putting you out? How do you spend the rest of your week? You know, I do you spend a whole lot more time doing something else? Do you do you make sure you have money for everything before you're willing to give the offering to God? Think about it. If you are out partying with your friends and not holding a job and you're sending your kids to live with a relative, is your family a priority? You're prioritizing something, but it doesn't sound to me like it would be your family because you're giving up your family to have something else. Remember how Abel was blessed by God and Cain was not. It is possible that you can make a sacrifice and that sacrifice is not good enough. It's not the right one. And the fact of the matter is, you're still sacrificing. Whether you think about it or not, whether you, whether we just talked about this and you're thinking, yeah, I've dedicated a lot to God, or maybe you're thinking, I've dedicated hardly anything to God. Guess what? You've still made a sacrifice. Um, if any of you know who Jordan Peterson is, maybe you got an opinion. He's really a sort of a polarizing figure. And uh, I wouldn't really call him like any sort of theologian or anything like that, but he does make some really good points sometimes that are kind of profound. And um, one thing he said was, you get to pick your sacrifice. That's all. You don't get to not make one. Cain chose to make the sacrifice that he did. It was not a sacrifice that was pleasing to God, but Cain still sacrificed. And in fact, he debatably sacrificed more than Abel did. It just wasn't the right sacrifice. Cain sacrificed God's favor so that he could make a lesser physical sacrifice. 
Cain sacrificed God's will for him so that he could do something that was more pleasing for him in the moment. He ultimately sacrificed his family because he was forced to leave. He sacrificed his freedom because he couldn't be just anywhere and do what he wanted to do. He was marked. He was scorned. He was cursed the rest of his life. That sounds like a sacrifice to me. He gave up a lot so that he could give a little less physical stuff in the moment. You're still making a sacrifice. Abraham intended to sacrifice his beloved son at God's request. He put down his own will and was ready to give that which he had valued the most so that he could honor God's will for him. That's obvious. He was going to sacrifice his son. No matter what, he was going to give in order to make sure that God's will was done. That's what was important to him. And he made his sacrifice accordingly. Now, fortunately, God stopped him. He didn't have to actually sacrifice his son physically. But in his mind, he'd already done it. He had already given to God what God had asked and didn't question him. His sacrifice was profound. And it was the correct one to end up with God's goodwill. He did what he needed to do to make sure God was happy with him. Ultimately, that is going to be the correct sacrifice to make. And you too are making a sacrifice, and sometimes that sacrifice is going to be something that you will give up for others' gain. It's going to be something that you will sacrifice so that others can be benefited. Or, perhaps you are sacrificing those around you for your own pleasure. So that you can have what you want in the moment, you would sacrifice your community, your future, God's will for you. You're still giving things up. The question is, are you giving up the right things? There's no way out of it. You're making one sacrifice or the other. In the Bible, I'm trying to remember the verse now because I didn't write it down, but uh, in, uh, I think it's Galatians. I feel like I should have had this written down, but in Galatians, I have to look it up, sorry. But uh, it, it says that you are to put down your will to serve others. You are to be in service to those around you. That's what God has decided for you. It's what you as a Christian are supposed to do. You are supposed to be in service. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus received worship from those who recognized him, but he was here healing the sick, and he was here um, blessing those that were around him at the expense of his own pleasure. He didn't live in a castle. I mean, he could have he lived in a fancy mansion. I mean, he had enough people following him. He could have just said, everybody give me a buck, and he would have been set for the rest of his life if that's what he was here for. He wasn't here to be served. He was here for service. That's God's plan for all of us. Jesus made the sacrifice, and he made the sacrifice while he was alive. He sacrificed his own pleasure for the good of humanity, all of mankind. He could have sinned. He could have gone out and 
enjoyed his guilty pleasures if he wanted to. He sacrificed all of that, which is not much of a loss really, but he sacrificed all of that so that you could be saved today. What kind of sacrifice are you going to make? You're worried about your time. You're worried about making sure you can do what you want to do. Like, I, you know, I need my day dedicated to my own pleasures. Meanwhile, there are people out there that need your help. There are people out there that don't know God. And you're willing to sacrifice them so that you can enjoy your pleasures now. That's exactly what Cain did. That's exactly what Satan did. Satan was the right-hand man of God. He was there with God himself, and he was more beautiful than any of the angels. But what happened? Satan recognized himself to be the most beautiful and said, I don't want to worship God. I want to worship me. He sacrificed his place in heaven. He sacrificed those around him. He sacrificed one-third of all heaven because all the angels fell. And he did all of this for his worship of himself. And I know I've said this in sermons before too. We do the same thing. When you're not focused on God and giving God the recognition that he deserves, you're focused on yourself. That means you are worshiping yourself. Ultimately, that is Satan worship because it is exactly what Satan did. When you dedicate your sacrifices only to yourself, you are walking in the footsteps of Satan, literally. So, in conclusion, I would just say, as you go throughout your days, just look at your own actions. Think about where you're spending your time. Think about what you've given up. Think about why you've given it up. And if you are dedicating all of your sacrifices to something that is not God, let me tell you, you're not avoiding a sacrifice. You're not getting away with it. You're not pulling a fast one and ending up keeping the things that you want. You're not getting your cake and eating it too. You're still sacrificing. And just like Cain did, he came with a little less grain or a little less quality grain and he got to keep his first crops. He got to keep the nicest grain. Whoopee. What happened to him? Cursed for the rest of his life, scorned by everyone. I, I, they were told because he bore the mark, he was not to be killed. He was afraid somebody was just going to kill him for being who he was. And God said, nope, I'm not going to allow that. You're going to get something worse. So he marked him. That could be you. Or me. Could be any of us. If you're making the wrong sacrifices. Don't give up everything that you're meant to be and everything that you're meant to do for those around you so that you can have your pleasure now. You'll end up with the mark. Let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you for allowing us to gather here together in your name today. And thank you so much for helping me deliver this message and ask that you would take it and just help everyone to receive it and grow in it and, and use it so that they can be uh, a greater example to those around us and um, Lord I just ask that you would impress on anyone who has a need from you right here today if if any of the words have reached them and and maybe you're giving conviction 
Maybe, maybe somebody wants to know you in a new way and you've just inspired them. You've, you've put on their hearts that today's the day, Lord. I ask that you would just compel them to come forward and help us to minister. And uh, Lord, it's, it's your will that, that all of us would know you. And just help us to make sure that anybody who has given themselves to you in their minds today, Lord, that we would just help them to make that, that uh, to finish that process. And um, Lord, we just, we thank you for the mercy that you give us. We thank you that even when we failed you, even when we fall short, Lord, you're still there and you're, you're still lifting us up. You never walk away. We might walk away from you, but you never leave us, Lord. We thank you for that mercy. Uh, Lord, thank you for all the gifts. And Lord, just help as we're, we're finishing service here this morning, that that you would keep the world outside for, for just a bit longer, that we could give you the time and the worship that you are due. You are worthy of our worship, Lord, and we thank you. We praise you for your greatness. In Jesus' name, amen.